This is Soundtrack, a music podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life, because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kyle Lichty. Hey everyone, I'm here with Hannah Gibson. How's it going? It's going great. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great. We've known each other now for more than two years now. Yeah. We were coworkers at a school. That's how we met. That's yeah. how we first got to know each other. Some through the good and the bad. The, some <laughs> high highs and low lows. Yeah. Some COVID nineteen. Quite some interesting moments. <laughs> and then I asked you out. You did, and you didn't wait till the end of the school year, <laughs> which was the goal, right? Uh, well, that was the, in, I guess, the... Professional intent. Yeah. <laughs> didn't work out so well. No. But for us, it ended up working out. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been dating now close to 15 months now. Wow. Which is awesome. Yeah. Great. You in agreement? Yeah. Okay. I guess so. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so I, I thought, you know, why not have my uh, girlfriend on the, the podcast and ask her own musical journey? Yeah, I knew it was serious when I, well, I knew that the only way I could tell it was serious or not was if I was going to be on the podcast because you wouldn't have me on the podcast if we weren't serious. Mm. <laughs> Just kidding. I did. I did know that like being on the podcast was a big deal. So, been looking forward to this. Sweet. <laughs> well, let's talk about you. So, you technically you were born in Marshall, Michigan, but you really grew up in Battle Creek. Yep. And then you moved to Holland, Michigan, when you were six. young. Yeah, yeah, six. So, talk about Holland. So Holland's super cool. I think there are a lot of presumptions of Holland. I mean, the name Holland makes it seem like it is a very Dutch town, and it is. There's a history and a strong Dutch heritage and presence here, but it's a really cool community, I think, in the last 20 years especially. It's become a really diverse place where people from all over the world have chosen to call home, and I went to Holland Public Schools, grew up there. It's an amazing school district and there are just it's just full of people who are really passionate about their community and I just feel like the teachers everyone who's at Holland teachers students families administration love Holland and are all in for Holland and so it was a great place to grow up I mean being near the lake was oh, yeah. amazing and I think I've taken that for granted but I now in my adulthood love to always be at the lake. So you're saying you took it for granted as a kid. Yeah, I think I mean, even day to day now, I guess it it's easy to forget like, oh, not everyone is 15 minutes from this beautiful body of water or from beautiful sand dunes that you can hike. And so I think growing up it was like, yeah, we can go to the beach, but oh, it's a 20 minute drive. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Get it together. So, yeah. I think I've taken it for granted, but I love it. I love it here. I think it's beautiful and really cool community of people. And yeah, that's yeah, yeah. great. <laughs> awesome. Let's talk about your childhood. What was your first musical memory? So there's always, always music around when I was growing up. I think I was sung to as a baby, I'm sure, by both my parents. I, My dad would always sing to us. I remember getting every time he'd put me up on his shoulders, he'd sing sunshine on my shoulders makes me happy. And every time we'd walk holding hands, he'd sing I want to hold your hand. And he has this incredible gift where when he hears words, he instantly will start singing a song. It's just really cool the way that his brain and my brain connect words with lyrics and with memories then. Because I think music is really tied into memories. But yeah, I remember that. I remember there's a recording somewhere on a CD. I think originally it was maybe a cassette of my dad, who was a youth pastor my entire childhood, singing to a group or bringing me up on stage with a group of kids. I'm probably two at the time. 
and we sang a song together. So he was always singing. I was always singing. Music was very much the norm. So yeah, lots of pleasant memories. Do you remember what song it was? Oh, yeah. It was The Lord is My Shepherd. Oh, my goodness. I don't remember all of it, but I, it's just, we were, whether we were singing stuff associated with church or along to the radio or any of that, we were always singing or we were listening. Do you remember what artists or like what genres were primarily listened to? Sure. Yeah. So if my mom was driving, we were listening to Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, Rich Mullins, whatever was on. Sounds like my mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever was on the Christian radio station, or they did have all the tapes, like Amy Grant, Songs from the Loft. Like that was their jam. Both of my parents. Like if we were driving at night, there was definitely like a distinct difference between if we were driving during the day and if we were driving at night and they wanted us to fall asleep. Yeah. So I think that my dad loved. And still loves, and we all love, Paul Simon, Graceland. That's the core memory that I have of childhood is driving around singing You Can Call Me Al, which is hilarious because why is a three-year-old singing all the words to You Can Call Me Al? Who knows? But (laughs) (laughs) that's what was happening. Talk about what you would do on vacations. Oh, yeah. We would do road trips. So my grandparents live in Ohio, so that was about... I mean, when we lived in Battle Creek, it was a little over four hours. Now it's closer to, from Holland, it's closer to six. So we would drive there pretty regularly. We did road trips also to places like Mammoth Cave and places like West Virginia. We did a huge West Virginia trip when I was probably four or five. Lots of road trips. We flew once when I was little. When I was in going into fourth grade, we flew to Oregon, which is a very special place to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I most of the memories of vacations are road trips, which mean road trip music, which my family, even to this day, we still listen to the same road trip music probably for the most part that we did 20 years ago, which is Graceland over and over. And there are definitely others. We listen to a lot of Billy Joel. We listen to there's just anything that you can sing along with kind of is what our road trip music sounded like. Yeah. Do you know why Graceland? I feel like he's going to listen to this and tell me that I'm wrong. (laughs) But I think that my parents listened to Graceland on their way to the mission trip where they met in college. Oh, okay. Down to Mississippi. So they met on a mission trip to Mississippi with Kelvin and I don't know. Do you know what year Graceland came out? 86, 87. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that was probably 87 is probably when they went on that, or 88 is when they went on that trip. So they listened to that because they're driving down through Tennessee. They're driving down through Memphis. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that album. I what, love that album. Why do you love it so much? We've taken trips and we have ourselves listen to that album yeah in Tennessee it's a requirement (laughs) yeah I like it too but what is it besides the nostalgia for you like what Mm -hmm. what makes it so special it's so unique the variety of people that they worked that Paul Simon worked with I think the story behind it the one of the versions that you and I have listened to Kyle has him talking about when they were making when they were making the album, like traveling in South Africa yeah. and and just working with like Ladysmith Black Mombazo and just like the incredible, oh, we just started with this one beat and then we built on it with this and then they had these ideas. And I think the sound is unique. I think- Especially for that time. Right. There's nothing like it. Yeah. And each song is distinct. In and of itself, and I think that's really cool. I definitely, I mean, like for nostalgia's sake, you can call me out is a favorite. It's fun. You yeah. can sing along. We do every time. <laughs> you can yell along. Yeah. <laughs> Under African Skies. I love that song. The harmonies in that yeah. song are incredible. Who is it that sings with him? I don't know. 
I should look I, that I up. I can't remember. It's just her voice in contrast. It, I always, it just is beautiful. It's just, usually I sing along to every song that I listen to. Linda Ronstadt? Is it really? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Wow. Wow. That, I would I, have not have expected that. That's really interesting. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. That's a good fun fact to know. But the harmonies on that song are beautiful. And I always sing along when I listen to the radio. But that one I usually will listen to and then sing along. Nice. Let's talk about one thing that you were able to do at a young age was ballet. Oh, yeah. And talk about how music played a part with ballet. Well, obviously, ballet is about a lot of things. It's about the imagery that you can make with your body. It's about extension and lines and all of that, but it's also about the beats and the music. And so every ballet class, you're doing a combination to, oh, this is the music for plies. This is the music for adagio, whatever. But it was really cool, I think, in that my teacher's So I danced from like age three to my freshman year of high school. And I stopped in the middle. I stopped taking ballet classes in the middle of my freshman year of high school. And so that was a long time and and was very impactful. But the music, it was really cool to see how different teachers would bring in. We know that this is the tempo that needs to be for this certain combination. But we know that we can do the song from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. to that and I so I just like things like that or the song from Up I remember when Up came out and the like introductory song we would do across the floor to that sometimes and and so it was cool when different teachers like would pull their personalities in that way but what really sticks with me are not those not what we did in class but the performance songs so I went to a Christian ballet school and so when I when it's Christmas time music from the promise it sticks with you (laughs) so I'm listening and again the teachers and choreographers would pull from the same music my parents are listening to so that we got that 90s Amy Grant breath of heaven we've got (laughs) Michael W. Smith over and over yeah Michael Card so I mean those are really nostalgic memory-filled songs of days and hours and weeks spent preparing months and then just the feeling of being in the theater and performing and ballet was where I first really got my love for performing so yeah we'll talk about what those other performances are but one thing I kind of skipped over you were doing choirs and musicals at church oh yeah as well yeah at a young age Mm -hmm. what was that like and how impactful was that for you in your musical journey so the first musical I ever loved was Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And loved is really an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> My parents, when I was like two years old, were looking everywhere to find someone doing Joseph because they were like, our two-year-old could be in the children's choir because she knows all of the words. How cute would that be? My uncle was an actor and he was, the first time I saw Joseph, he was Joseph. In my eyes, my super cool uncle is Joseph. And so every time I see Donnie Osmond, I'm like, but Donnie Osmond doesn't hold a candle to my uncle Jeff. (laughs) So I think that was, I just loved it. I loved the colors. I loved the music. I loved the story. I still love that story. I think it's a really cool redemptive story. So yeah, yeah. I think that's, oh, sorry. So that was the first musical I loved. And then I had the opportunities to be in musicals. So I went to through kindergarten. I went to a really tiny Christian school and I was in the school musical in kindergarten and I got to carry a little red wagon around and I just, I loved it. So that was my first time performing. And then besides like in school concerts or church little choir things. And then when we moved to Holland, it was a bigger church, much bigger church. And I was a part of choir there and I was in, we did a musical when I was in fifth grade and I was the lead in the church musical, Nice, <laughs> but it was just for kids. So, yeah. so let's talk about upper elementary years. It seems like there's a lot of Disney influence. There's 
Hannah Montana, Jonas Brothers. Well, yes. It was I was in elementary school from like 2003 to th- 2008. So, it was Disney was like I feel like it was at its prime. So, I was watching the shows, but I was really loving the music. I had like a CD that was like Disney stars, Disney Channel stars sing Disney songs like from the <laughs> cartoons. I was loving loving Hillary Duff. She was like my dream. I would watch her music videos on Yahoo videos because I was only allowed to go on like certain sites and Yahoo Kids was one of the sites that my parents let me go on <laughs> and I could watch Hillary Duff singing Wake Up on Yahoo videos when it wasn't on Disney Channel. <laughs> what was so appealing about those artists? Well, they were so they're, cool. They're, and they're not just artists, too. They're they're actors. Yeah. Actresses. Yeah. They were so cool. When High School Musical came out, my entire third grade class learned the dance to We're All in This Together and performed it for our entire school and for the parents. <laughs> and I was like the, one of the lead leaders of that. Yeah. And in third grade, my every week we would have a talent show and we would dance or sing or put on some little skit. That was just something our teachers did, and I was, like, all about it. And so when we could tie in the music we were listening to, some of the times we would tie in, like, what we're listening to at church. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it was, like, a high school musical, and I became fully obsessed. And in fourth grade was Hannah Montana. That was – I was, like, signing yearbooks as Hannah Montana because her (laughs) name was Hannah. How could I not? Did you put the H down? Oh, I, I did not add an H on there because that's not how I spell my name. I was pretty pretty obsessed with spelling my name correctly. You still are. Yes, I am. I think it was just catchy. I mean, everyone was listening to it. It was catchy. It was cool. They were cool. They were like the goal in elementary school. Let's talk. We have to talk about her. T Swift came around at this I love time Taylor as well. Swift. Why? Fifth grade. Why Taylor Swift? Because my well, my friend Taylor introduced me to Taylor Swift. Whoa. Yeah. Taylorception. <laughs> she was using her music for we did a project in in one of my classes. It was a project about composers, and then we had to make a playlist for what we thought the composers would listen to. So it's kind of like soundtrack. What was the soundtrack to their lives? <laughs> These famous composers. Yeah. So I was doing Andrew Lloyd Webber, who is the composer of Joseph. Amongst many Amongst others. many other things. Jesus Christ Superstar. Phantom. Yeah. Yeah, he's in, he's incredibly talented. But Taylor introduced me to our song. And I loved our song. And that was when I first started listening to her. And then... What was it about our song that just made you immediately plunge right into it and keep listening think her lyrics are I mean it's like cheesy high school middle school romance but her lyrics are really well written too I thought that was relatable like there are different things that slamming screen door I don't know I wasn't living in the south or anything like that but (laughs) (laughs) those are just it was just relatable and she's just an incredible writer and performer and I think that well as we talk through this more I have huge respect for singer-songwriters who are able to write and perform incredible music. So I think that was part of it. She's evolved. You're not a middle schooler anymore. How does she keep coming back into your ears? I think it's she's changed the music she's produced or well, yeah. she's producing, but the music she's putting out, the music she's writing has changed as I have changed. She's grown up. I mean, she's older than me, but as I've grown up, and I think that catchy, cute, not necessarily that deep stuff in middle school was and what innocent, I needed. Naive. Yeah. That's what I loved. Like, that was what I was experiencing. And then. I listened to her hits. I listened to Love Story and You Belong With Me, and I loved them. But I didn't buy the whole album when those when Speak Now came out and Fearless. It wasn't my favorite. There were other things I was listening to. 
And then Red came out. <laughs> and I love Red. I think it's my favorite album of hers. I really Still do. To this day. Still to this day. My friend Jalen got the Red CD and I wasn't really into country music that much, but I was open to it. I wasn't a diehard fan, but this had a little country spin. She liked country a little bit more than I did at the time. And she got it and we put it in my Red Jetta, in the CD player in my Red Jetta. And I was just sold right away. Red is my favorite song. Well, it was, I don't know if it's my favorite Taylor Swift song at all time right now. I don't know that, but for probably until Folklore and Evermore came out and she started doing the re-releases, that was my favorite song, hands down. The imagery that she paints with that, she literally paints because it's all about the colors, is just, she's just so lyrically dynamic. That's what sticks with me. But that song, the whole album was great for driving down the road in my Jetta and um, the road. (laughs) But being 16, it was the perfect album for being 16. And all the different feelings of like liking a boy for the, not for the first time, but like really falling for someone and just it not working out. And so the highs and the lows and I just love that album. Mm. And then after that, I was a little... Not as into Taylor Swift again. And it's not that I didn't like it. I just wasn't like 1989 was good. I had another friend who loved that album. I think it's good. I just, I think, and I think my judgment on her best album, best song is for sure clouded by nostalgia. Sure. (laughs) So I don't know. I don't know that I can be really objective about it. But so I stopped kind of listening to it. I did not like. Reputation. I did not like Reputation. Now I do. But when it came out, I was like, what is this? What did you do with Taylor Swift? And I know that that's why she did it. And I have respect for that now. But at the time, you know, she's so jarring. It was. And it was like, oh, where's all this like beautiful imagery and like acoustic, beautiful Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Yeah. It was like, okay. And now I understand how much crap she was going through as far as the music industry. And I get it. And I think that that is a really powerful album. But at the time, I was like, mm. So then. What's Lover? Lover. It was fine. It was like, I just didn't. I listened to the hits again, but didn't like dive really into it. Because I'm like really into Taylor Swift and then I'm not. And then I, I and then I'm really into Taylor Swift and then I'm not. Okay, let's talk about middle school. You really started branching out. Yeah. And all sorts of different ways, not only musically, but also socially, in that you started theater. Yeah. And so you were having influences just expand even more during this time. Talk about a theater and I mean, you were still doing ballet, too, at this time. Yep. So I was doing ballet. I was in theater. I switched schools. So the way our district was set up, it was a little bit wild. But I had a different school for sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade. And so I had different friends in sixth grade than I did in seventh grade. And my friends in seventh grade continued to eighth grade. But I also made new friends in eighth grade when I started doing theater. I started doing theater in seventh grade. But it was the end of seventh grade. Like our show was in June. So those friendships carried over into when we all came together at the high school for eighth grade. So I know it was a weird setup. But it's just really, I mean, my friendships definitely influenced my music because I was spending more time with people. I mean, I'm not just listening to whatever my mom's listening to in the car. Right. Or what I happen to search online, like I'm listening on the bus. I'm on the bus listening to what my friend's listening to on her iPod. Or I'm hanging out with people before rehearsal and listening to what they're they're listening to. And I think that's – I got super into like what was popular, but I also had my own favorites within that. If that makes sense. So I was, I and I did look on Spotify, and this is true, like top hits of 2009. 
that is what I listened to in seventh grade. <laughs> Those were the songs I bought on iTunes for my first iPod Touch. Nice. <laughs> Lady Gaga and Jason Derulo. And like, it's so weird. But well, I mean, I feel like Black Eyed Peas was pretty popular. Oh my gosh. Owl City. With, I loved I, I went to an uh, Owl City concert. I don't yeah. even think I put that on there, but I did. Oh, yeah. For my friend Martha's 14th birthday, we went to Meyer Gardens for an Owl City concert with her mom. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I was definitely into what other people said. Oh, you should try this or you should listen to this. But then, like, if I think about what my really my favorites were, again, it's more of that singer songwriter acoustic vibe it's colby calais sarah Bareilles. that's who i loved why do you think you resonate so much with that singer songwriter type of artist what's so appealing i think it helps me we're gonna talk about more of them too yeah i think it's the relatability of it it's an admiration of their talent i think they write songs and sing songs that are relatable i think it's songs that I can just listen to. I don't, I can just listen to when I'm doing day to day things, when I'm driving in my car, when I'm making dinner. I, I don't know about in middle school though. I mean, yeah, I don't know exactly what drew to me in middle school, but that's what keeps me with them today. I relax when I listen to that as well. And I think that's a big piece of it. I'm kind of someone who likes to be busy all the time and be doing things all the time. So I think that bring some kind of peace with it maybe yeah i mean there's a lot that we could talk about from middle school we could talk about how there's still some even christian influence during this time with switchfoot reliant k which is interesting because reliant k is pretty quirky yeah which maybe that was the appealing part i don't know but talk about why those were artists that you were listening to i was definitely hearing them at youth group, but my older sister really loved Switchfoot and Reliant K and Skillet. <laughs> I'm sure she would not like Skillet now. I'm sure she wouldn't, but I I don't even think, no, none of us would, but it's just, we, what we really liked was, I don't know, it was kind of edgy. It was edgy Christian. Sure. Skillet definitely was. But even Switchfoot. It was different than what it was different than Amy Grant. Right. <laughs> it was different than Casting Crowns or Stephen Curtis Chapman. My first concert was Stephen Curtis Chapman, Casting Crowns, and Chris Tomlin. <laughs> so that was, but that was like the the norm. That yeah. was what my parents were listening to or what we heard at church. And then the fact that it was still Christian, but was more, I guess, secular music. I was never not allowed to listen to secular music. My parents are big music fans, and so we've listened to all sorts of things. But that was kind of my like safe step out into trying different things, and it was it meant a lot that my sister really liked it. And we would still hear it on the radio because they would still play it on Christian radio. Well, I mean, Switchfoot and Reliant K That's were true. also crossing over to pop. That's true. Radio during that time. That's true. Let's talk about high school. Like you mentioned earlier, you left ballet and then you're going full time into the theater. Mm -hmm. More of that singer songwriter. But one thing that does change is you're starting to listen to country. (laughs) The thing about me is I'm very easily influenced as far as music goes. My friend Jalen listened to to country and some other, other of my friends listened to country, but it was really like, oh, yeah. You like country? I know country. Like trying to like be with it in a sense. But it ended up so there were a couple a couple of guys I liked in high school that listened to country. But I kind of found my own subset of country that I like better than necessarily what was just popular. Yeah. We'll talk about it. What the one band that the one you like. I love Zach Brown band. I love that. Well, Taylor Swift was a little country there. So sure. that I think was part of it. And I love Zach Brown Band. They just have such a unique sound. It's more islandy than like twangy. I'm going to get my truck and my dog country. Yeah. And so I think that appealed to me. Their harmonies are beautiful. 
my favorite song by them. My dad. So this is something when I was little and throughout middle school and high school, my dad would say, oh, this is Hannah's song. This is about Hannah. When I was little, it was I'm All Right by Jody Messina or Poor, Poor, Piddle, Fool Me, depending on the day. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a card. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> but then <laughs> in high school, when we started listening to Zach Brown Band, and my dad loved Zach Brown Band, too. So we kind of loved it together. It was Natural Disaster, <laughs> which <laughs> is like about this girl who's just like a lot, but in a good way, in a good way. and so. I think the fact that my dad loved it too was appealing to me. My dad and I saw Zach Brown Band my freshman year of college. That was my Christmas gift. That was, was really that like? special. It was so special to go just the two of us. And honestly, the concert was too short. And we were sitting like way high up. Yeah. And we so we were sad about that. And it was for the Jekyll and Hyde album, which is not an album that we loved. <laughs> But it was what they were touring with, and we loved them. So we were like, okay. And so we loved those parts of the concert. But then the like, Jekyll and Hyde, they were trying to be like pop. Yeah. Half was country, half was pop. Eh. Well, I, I think a lot of country artists have made that connection. I mean, Taylor did too. Yeah. Um, but she did it better than most. Yeah. And then you're even seeing now trying to bridge country and hip-hop i think i'm not really into country anymore <laughs> well that's not a, nice, a new epiphany for me i'm not part of that is political changes part of that is people changes i'm not around people who listen to country music very much anymore part of that is just the content of the music i love country music that has beautiful imagery and lyrical depth and songs I can sing along to. And not a lot of country music that I'm hearing now has that same draw for me. Yeah. So Zach Brown Band always does. Even though their lyrics are not always super deep. Some of them are. I think another appeal of theirs is they have kind of a rock band yeah. vibe too. The second time I saw them, it was amazing. Mm. It was incredible. They were not on tour with a specific album. And so they played all of their amazing music and covers on covers. And their encore was like at least 20 minutes long. It was a, an incredible show. Do you remember what covers they did? No, I don't. But they were like, they weren't country covers. They were yeah, rock, rock covers. They did, I, rem I think they did some Metallica, honestly. Whoa. <laughs> but I don't know what song because I don't know any of the songs in Metallica. But... I remember being someone being like, it's Metallica. Oh, my gosh. So that was significant. <laughs> they did just so many. They did Beatles covers. They did. I don't remember what song they did, but I remember they did multiple Beatles covers, and that was cool to me. Wow. I love the Beatles, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Sweet. One other thing that kind of is diving at the forefront in high school is you are really, you're still doing the theater. And so mm -hmm. Broadway is really appealing to you show tunes during yeah. this time talk about that influence yeah so i was in theater and then for two years i was also in show choir and so i think the songs that really stick out to me in high school are songs that we sang in i mean each year we did two different musicals or three depending on the year so i was in like wizard of oz beauty and the beast Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Phantom of the Opera, Sunday in the Park with George, and then Shrek, Sugar, which is, I know, Shrek, I know, Shrek the musical, but it's it's funny. It's a good Yeah, I'm sure. Sugar, which is the musical version of Some Like It Hot. Oh. Uh-huh. And then the last show I did was Little Shop of Horrors. I loved that show. So, but then Show Choir, we, I mean- Kyle will attest to this. We hear a song on the radio, and if I'm not saying, oh, I learned this song when I saw it on Glee. Oops. <laughs> Toxic trait. <laughs> I do say that a lot. If I'm not saying that, I'm saying, oh, I sang this in show choir. <laughs> so. Yep. So Glee is where I got some of that. Experiencing kind of just the songs we're singing. I mean, we, we sang musical theater songs in show choir as well. Yeah. But then... Going out, I got to see 
some Broadway shows. I saw Joseph. I saw when it came to Grand Rapids, I saw Jersey Boys. I loved Jersey Boys. I was obsessed with Jersey Boys. I saw Wicked and I started to go and see these like larger than life productions and experiencing those drew me to musical theater music more as well. Yeah. Is there something about the live element that made it even more profound of an impact on you? Absolutely. It's really cool because when you listen to musical theater, usually you're just listening to like the original Broadway cast's production of whatever. So in my head, the way that Idina Menzel sings a line in Defying Gravity is the way that that line is. And then you go and see Wicked and you see the actor playing Alphaba doing something completely different, making a different personal choice with how they sing that run or how they hold that note. It adds different depth to it as well. It's not just the cookie cutter. It's like if you see a a concert, the live version is different than what you hear on the radio edit. And that creativity and personal like ownership of that was beautiful and aside from that the colors the lights the costumes that is just it's beautiful it's just like so captivating so how do you think theater and show choir all these different musical experiences that you were involved in how did it expand your world through music What's so profound about musical theater is the stories that are told, the stories that are explicitly told. And then I'm someone who likes to do research. Like if I'm watching a movie, I'll look up who the actor is and who they played in everything and when they were born and what city they lived. And (laughs) let's say I watch a musical that's based on real life. I love history and so historical musicals as well. Then when I can dig into the truth of it beyond the story, I love that. I love the learning that comes along with it. And, okay, I watch Rent. You can sing Seasons of Love, and then you can realize, oh, Rent is about the AIDS crisis. Rent is about real people's lives. And learn a piece of history that probably most high schoolers don't know. And I think that's what's cool about musical theater is it is a really captivating way of telling really important stories creatively. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So you go to college and you come across the the love of your life. The love of my life, Ben Rector. I thought I was. Ben Rector. Sorry, Kyle. Who's this Ben Rector? The love of my life. (laughs) Ben Rector. (laughs) Talk about Ben. (laughs) Ben Rector is an incredible singer-songwriter. September of my freshman year of college, and my friend asks, do you want to go to Hope with me? And I'm like, we just started at Calvin. We can't go to Hope. They're rivals. Do you want to go to Hope with me to see Ben Rector? Tickets are like eight bucks. Now I'm like me. Now I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. And I was like, sure. Eight bucks. Like That's a lot when you're a college freshman, but Sure, I'll go do it. I don't think I know that much of his music. Like I'd heard of him. I had friends who would in show choir, <laughs> one of my friends sang a Ben Rector song okay. as a solo. And then I'd heard of Ben Rector and I'd heard some of his maybe more popular songs. But then like the week before, the week before any concert, what I do is I do a deep dive into the artist so that I can make sure I know the majority of the songs. I don't like to go to concerts when I don't know the songs. Yeah. So depending on how familiar I am with the artist, sometimes I'll take a little bit more time or put a little more energy into getting to know the music. But Ben, I was familiar enough with him, but I didn't really know. And then when I saw him, I was in the third row in Dimnit Chapel at Hope, which is a really small, comparatively, it's a small space. And he just blew me away. He is hilarious. Yes, He's an incredible host as well as a performer. Like, he makes you feel comfortable. I remember him. They, like, came down toward the audience to do Forever Like That, I think. And they just did it with three instruments and him and two of his people in his band. And it was just very simple and very beautiful. I feel like when I'm listening to his music, I'm seeing movies in my head. Talk about that. What, like, what do you mean by seeing movies? 
I think and I, imagery, I keep saying imagery, but I love lyrics because they paint pictures. I love to read. I think that's part of it too. I love to make pictures of, of whatever I'm hearing, reading, listening to in my mind. And Ben, when he sings songs, and I have this with other artists too, like Taylor with Red, Zach Brown Band and Natural Disaster. When they sing, the lyrics they choose and the music that goes along with it, it creates just this image of different, depending on the theme of the music, different images. And I think that I'm really connected to it when I can take the time to really process that and hear and really listen. I can see when they use such dynamic lyrics and musical choices, then I can connect to it on a deeper level. I think that's really what it comes down to. And Ben does a really good job of that. During this time too, in college, you're going to a lot of concerts. You've mentioned already a few of them, yeah. you know, with Ben and, and Zach Brown Band. But you're also listening to a lot of oldies. Yeah. I can't believe we're talking about the 90s as oldies, but it's kind of at that stage now where it's an oldie. But you were listening to a lot of 70s, 80s, and 90s Yeah, during this time. So I think oldies are just consistent throughout my life. They come back. Elton John, Billy Joel, Michael Jackson, Fleetwood Mac, <laughs> Beatles, and and Frankie Valley, like there are just some that I'm like, oh, I'm really in a mood today to listen to Billy Joel. Or just it's really a day that I need to listen to the Beatles. Just depending on what I'm doing, I'm definitely in the mood to listen to different things. And those ones are just there's a reason that they're still popular. Yeah. There's a reason they're coming back on TikTok today. It's because they're just solid, solid music. And I think that if I don't want to put the energy into listening to something new, but I'm sick of like my what I'm currently into, those are my go what I go back to. What's well, interesting? I, we've talked about this. There, I mean, the current listening modes right now are mostly older songs. Yeah, it's not new music, and a lot of that is things like TikTok. Yeah, but also people just want to listen to what they grew up with. Yeah. And, Part of that might be because still we have some feelings with COVID maybe trying to get back to a time where things were maybe normal. I, I don't know. Yeah, exactly I think why, that's a good point. But, but that's my guess. But it, yeah, it's interesting that oldies still keep coming up for people. They do. I think it's a safe thing. Yeah. Right now, you know, people are wanting to take any extra risks. Everything is feels like a risk. The record labels too. Yeah. They don't want to take a risk. I will say with TikTok, I have found new artists. Yeah. I, what, Ellery? Ellery Ward. I found her on TikTok because she's touring with Josh Groban and Lin-Manuel Miranda came to see the show and he told her how big of a fan he was of her. And I was like, well, if Lin-Manuel Miranda is a fan, he's like a lyrical genius <laughs> and a musical genius and... If he's a fan of her, then I should check her out. And she, her own, she's a singer-songwriter too. Classic Hannah, I know. But she also has an album of Sondheim covers. But they're in the style of Regina Spector, Maggie Rogers, Sarah Bareilles. Mm. So they're like this kind of like acoustic-y musical theater, which I'm like, this is everything I love. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. So I found Ellery on that on TikTok. Let's talk about post-college. You really started getting into Casey Musgraves. There's kind of a, a country connection probably with that, uh -huh. but she's evolved too. As I grew up, my political beliefs have shifted, and I think that was part of the reason I kind of moved away from country music too. And Maybe social media plays a factor in this as you can see people's beliefs more in your face, and I was pushed away from certain artists because of that and Casey Musgraves sang music that I liked and spoke about things that are important and stood up for things that I believe to be important and her music is so cool it's just so it's very unique yeah it's very unique and I think it draws a lot of people in whereas definitely country music usually pushes people away yeah. you either love it or you hate it but I think she is a good bridge yeah so I was listening to Casey. It's Lauren Daigle as well. <laughs> I love Lauren Daigle. Yeah. 
I really like Lauren Daigle. I really don't. It's not that I don't love you say, but everybody loves you say. And I got kind of over it. I like her stuff that's a little deeper and a little like she's a song that's called Losing My Religion, which is so interesting. One of the lyrics is I'm losing my religion to find you. It's kind of like a deconstruction song. Losing all of these things that I believed that Christians had to be. Losing things that she believes Christians had to be in order to deepen her own faith. And I think that's really relevant to a lot of people right now. It's really, I mean, it's it's relevant to me. And so I think that's why I really like her. She's a singer-songwriter too. <laughs> I love her lyrics and I love her depth and her willingness to speak up about things that are important too. So that's why I connect with her. That was the last concert I went to before the world shut down. Yeah. Literally the night before the world shut down. Which is crazy. Yeah. So COVID takes place and like you said, the world shut down and you start really diving into Carol King. And it's not like this was a brand new discovery for yeah. you, but yet what drew you into her during this time? I think it's really cool because with everything else, it's like, oh, I heard about Lauren Daigle from You Say, and then I got into it. Or a friend recommended this. A friend, no one recommended Carol King to me. My dad is the biggest James Taylor fan that I know. Yeah, he is. <laughs> And I loved, I love James Taylor. We saw Kyle and I saw James Taylor with my parents last year. December. Yeah. Right. And what I found out was that Carol King wrote a lot of James Taylor's music that he sings and also sings background vocals on a lot of his tracks from early on. And so I was like, okay, who is this Carol King? I also watched Gilmore Girls during the pandemic. <laughs> And she sings the theme song to Gilmore Girls. So it just factors like that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to check her out. And so one day I just said, hey, Google, play Carol King. And then every time I was in the kitchen was play Carol King. And it became my like cooking music. <laughs> and I realized how many other songs she had written, like Natural Woman. Yeah, I mean, that that's the crazy thing with her is you can look at her actual career and she's got a, a solid amount of songs. But then when you look at her writing credentials of songs, whoa. She's the gold standard for singer-songwriters. I knew about her, but I didn't really value that until the pandemic, until I had time to to dig into that. And I took the time to dig into her and she is just profoundly talented. And I just read her memoir. I just got done reading it. And we saw Beautiful. We saw Beautiful, the Carol King musical in January. Kyle got me tickets for Christmas. He wrapped up the vinyl of Tapestry. So I got the vinyl of Tapestry. And, and you were... I was excited about that. I was yeah. just excited to get Tapestry. And... Then on the front, there was a, a picture of a playbill for Beautiful, the Carol King musical. And we went and we saw it in Detroit and it was beautiful. It was really, really great. Yeah, it was. And then I got COVID. <laughs> Somehow you did. Yeah, and you didn't. But I did not. But that was the last beautiful moment before I was quarantined. But <laughs> it's incredible. In the 60s and 70s, the artists on Tapestry, her background vocals include James Taylor, Carly Simon, these incredibly talented singers in their own right and musicians in their own right. And they would go on tour together just as part of each other's band. Can you picture Bruno Mars just going on tour with another vocalist and he's just playing the piano and background vocals? No, no. No, that's not the world right now. But that's totally what they did. And I think that that's really... Well, number one, I think it shows their humility. Right. And their love for music yeah. and performing. Right. Not just for the stardom of it. 
the entertainment or the the popularity. Yeah. Not it, so a lot of respect for Carol King. Yeah. A lot of love for her. This year when Carol King was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we watched it and I cried through the entire thing. And Kyle laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed? You laughed at me crying. But Taylor Swift Open. performed. Yeah. Was it Will You Still yeah. Love Me Tomorrow? Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow. And that was just like my two great, well, two of my great music loves Yeah, coming together. Speaking of Taylor Swift. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so I got into Taylor Swift again. So she dropped Evermore and Folklore. Well, yeah. First Folklore, then well, Evermore. Yeah. And I liked Folklore and I listened to it. And then I went through a pretty nasty breakup and she dropped Evermore like a couple weeks later. And so I sobbed and listened to Evermore. <laughs> but that was like the timing of that album was it was helpful for me. It was healing for me, I think. It was really the feelings. She has some incredibly happy songs on that album, but some incredibly sad songs on that album. And I was that was really relatable for me and just came at a really really good time and then oh my goodness taylor swift blew us all away like she always does and started dropping taylor's version yeah well before that i i was gonna mention i mean i just think of exile as like a prime example of what you're talking about and I don't know if that was one of the songs or if not, but like that is a solid song. And it, it helps to have, I think, the dueling vocals with, with Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Yeah. 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 That one definitely was impactful. Tolerate it. <laughs> that was one that was like the girl in the story she's telling is like all in. I did all of this for you. I loved you and you tolerated it. And that was really, that was, whew, okay, I'm not the only one who's felt this way, number one, and I don't deserve to feel this way, number two. So yeah. I think that was, that was something that I felt and that was helpful in the, in the grieving process and the moving on process. So, yeah. Yeah. Talk about the, the new versions. <laughs> Taylor's version. Yeah. So Taylor Swift is a boss and started <laughs> re-releasing. She didn't have ownership of her music and she won it legally. She won her rights to her music. So she started re-recording and re-releasing her old music. And first she did Fearless. That came out right before spring break in 2021. And I listened to that a lot. <laughs> A lot, a lot. And that was when Kyle and I were starting to talk, too. And so that's a happy. I mean, there's again, there's sad songs on it, and but there's some really happy new relationship kind of songs on there. And so that was kind of well-timed. <laughs> and then she announced she was re-releasing Red. And I was so excited as soon as she announced it like i put it on my calendar and i waited 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 and then it came out and it was everything i hoped it would be and then jake gyllenhaal felt bad all over again sorry not sorry jake <laughs> did you give her her scarf back we all want to know he felt bad for 10 the 10 minute version <laughs> and then the real feelings were showing are there more going to come? I think she's going to re-release her initial album. I think, well, Speak Now, 1989, I think. I don't, I'm not positive about when she started having her rights to her own music. I think it may have been Reputation. Or maybe she's going to re-release Reputation. It might have been Lover. It might have been Folklore and Evermore. We might get all of them re-released. I I I don't, I, I don't that, think but. that's not true. I, she's not gonna re-release folklore nevermore. But I don't remember where exactly like that yeah. ends. But yeah. Right. So around this time, with Taylor dropping her new 
albums, you encounter a new artist for the first time. I do. So (laughs) Kyle and I went on our first date on May 21 of 2021, which happened to be a Friday. And as I have learned through dating Kyle, that is when albums get dropped is Friday. (laughs) That is not something I had a normal working knowledge of. But on that day, Matt Carney drops January Flower, which becomes a favorite album of mine almost instantly. The first time he Kyle plays the album for me, it becomes a favorite. The second single he dropped was Anywhere With You? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. And Kyle, Kyle says, I think my love language is sending music. <laughs> and he sends me that song. And I'm like, you can't see, but my jaw is dropped right now. <laughs> and it's a really sweet song. And that kind of became our song, to quote Taylor Swift. But that album was one we listened to over and over and over again last summer and is a great road trip album. Yeah. Graceland is a great road trip album. And January Flower is an incredible road trip album. Mm-hmm. Okay. Take away the the relationship. <laughs> mm why is Matt Carney's and, and cuz it's not just January Flower that you like no. you you've gotten to hear his whole catalog and mm-hmm. what's drawing you to him He does what Ben Rector does in making those movies lyrically for me He has a song called Coming Home parentheses Oregon which is all about he's from Oregon from Eugene And he, in that song, he describes Oregon, which is a very special place for me. My parents used to live there. I've been there quite a few times. It has a lot of significant memories for me. He paints Oregon in that song in such a beautiful way. The scenery of Oregon, which is beautiful in its own right, but also like the culture of Oregon and other different aspects. One of the lines is the evergreens and caffeine still remind me of you, which is just like, it's very Pacific Northwest. He does a really good job. January flower too. Like I say, it reminds me of a road trip because I feel like when I'm listening to that music, I can see him driving up and down Pacific Coast Highway or out West. It's a very Western type of sounding type of an album. It's beautiful. So I think that's what draws me to it. And but but it's beyond again, it's not just January Flower, it's his other music. But then he's got music that I just love to dance to mm-hmm. and sing along to. I'm very drawn to music I can sing along to. <laughs> Kyle's not had a quiet car ride since we started dating. <laughs> Unless he plays songs that I don't like. <laughs> Which really doesn't happen often. Except for lately because he thinks he's funny. Yeah. (laughs) This is probably because of me. We've been going to a lot of concerts lately. Yeah. Talk about those. So our first concert post-pandemic, it was just really kind of amazing how it worked out. We were going to Nashville to see a soccer game, which is one of Kyle's passions in addition to music and history and all the other sports. But to see us, the U.S. men's soccer team play when the other love of my life, Ben Rector, posts on Instagram, guess who's hosting a free concert before the U.S. men's national team game? I legit screamed. I was so excited because we got to see Ben Rector together, which is important to me. And we were so close. It was like second row. And I just wanted Kyle to see him perform because he can listen to his music and appreciate his music. But I just wanted you to see him perform because he's so funny. He was hilarious. (laughs) Absolutely hilarious. Yeah. I don't think I've laughed that much at a show before. Yeah. Like a, a music show. Yeah. It was great. And then three days later, we went and saw Matt Carney. (laughs) We have this weird pattern of seeing two concerts in a week and then waiting a long time and then two concerts in a week. We did that for a while and then now we're kind of on a 
more spread out. We did that with Walk the Moon and Day Glow. Mm-hmm. Did we do that with Coldplay we- and Churches? No, I think those were a couple out? weeks. But we were going to do it with Matt Carney again and Ben Platt. Those oh, were supposed yeah. to be a week away or a week apart, but then Ben Platt canceled the show. That was really sad. I love Ben Platt. We saw Coldplay. Oh, my gosh. That We saw Coldplay at Soldier Field, and it was absolutely incredible. We were really close, which was great. We got there very early and waited in a long line and got great spots on the floor. Her opened, and that makes me sound like I'm grammatically incorrect, but her, the artist, for Coldplay, and she was incredible. She's an incredible vocalist and covered I Love Rock and Roll, which was like, you are so versatile. Like, you are so talented. And then Coldplay was so great. We were so close. When it got dark, all of our our wristbands, we all got wristbands, and they all were had LED lights in them. And then the way that Coldplay does this, and I, Kyle, I think, has told me that they do it at multiple shows, or like every show. They've been doing it for over a decade now. Yeah. So they're like computer programmed to be different colors at different times into the rhythm of the music and all these different things. And so it was, that was a really cool dynamic. Just I've never, I'd never been on the floor at such a big venue. I don't think I've ever been to such a big venue because that's bigger than Van Andel. Yeah, Oh yeah. And oh yeah. Bigger than anything I'd been to. And we were on the floor so you could really see everybody. It was cool to be a part of something like that. Then we went to churches, which was great until she started <laughs> pulling out fake blood. That freaked me out. But the music was incredible. They just don't like fake blood or real blood. So you're a teacher, and I'm curious, how do you use music in your classroom? Well, my students would say too much. <laughs> <laughs> I do sing. Sometimes instead of giving directions, I find myself singing, like not trying to, but like okay and now you need to stop talking because you're really needing to be quiet because then they listen I don't know I teach middle school special ed so that's probably I don't know that that does change kind of how what I'm teaching and and how I use music I definitely have a lot of background music I have a playlist that I use that has been I've added to and changed over the past three years going into my fourth year of teaching. And that's kind of just, that's a lot of singer-songwriter stuff. It's a lot of acoustic. It's a lot of music that the kids can hum or sing along to, some of which they know, some of which they learn. I have one student who has learned the words to all of my songs on my playlist, which is just incredible. She's got an incredible memory for music. And after we saw Matt, we went and saw Matt Carney again in, in the spring with some of our friends from school. And so we were like getting hype for the concert, me and my friend Brenda, who is one of my parapros. And we started playing Count on Me, which is one of Matt's older songs. And how is it really old? I don't know how old it is. 2011. So yeah. 11 years now. Yeah. It was in my math class and the kids loved it and so that kind of became our like math theme song for the rest of the year they learned it and they would beg to play it i also do play math songs youtube videos that are kid oriented about learning things i use them and actually i think i find that music with math helps for things to stick better yeah a lot yeah. for my kids and so that's how a one way that i use music I play it a lot. If they're if they're writing, I play music without words in it. And yeah. Awesome. What is it about music that makes us listen to it? Why is it something that we gravitate towards? Mm-hmm. I think that we there's a human desire for connection, whether that's connection to memories, connection to other people, connection to positive feelings I think music connects people with other people but also with experiences and the feelings associated with the with those experiences I think 
music, like I've said, music helps paint pictures. It helps people to feel things more deeply, I think, to experience things more deeply and profoundly. And so I think that desire for connection, that desire for that deep and impactful feeling, that's something we all want. And that's something we want to share with those around us or find people who who share that with us. Yeah. Well, Hannah, thanks for doing this. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Lichty. Each person interviewed has created a playlist of the very songs that have impacted their life. If you are interested in listening to their playlist, you can head straight to our website at soundtrack.fireside.fm. Click on Soundtrack Playlist, and it will take you straight to their playlist on Spotify. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at Soundtrack Podcast, or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack.